They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Good evening, I'm Ian Shepherd, and you're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast. Joining me this evening are Dan Kingdom and the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, Anthony Gibson. And we are one day after the uh, well, the wettest I've seen the Taunton outfield in a long time. The game against Surrey was absolutely ruined by the weather. Uh, there was no play at all on the first and fourth days and only 68 overs were possible across days two and three. Uh, Tom Abel won the toss and he stuck the visitors in. Uh, 206 for four they finished uh, 55 for Rory Burns uh, for the uh, the Somerset bowlers uh, Lewis Gregory finished with a couple of wickets for 64 Josh Davey bowled really well much better than his figures of 20 overs uh, 7 maidens no wickets for 39 uh, would suggest and there was uh, an encouragingly decent spell from uh, Marchant Delanger who uh, according to Anthony was bowling the uh, the best he's bowled for Somerset this year but all we could uh, get from the game were the 8 points for a draw and a bonus point each so Surrey heading back to the Oval with 9 points uh, and 9 points also for Somerset in that draw and that means the Group 2 table is uh, Gloucester didn't play last week so they're still top uh, played 5.95 Somerset played 6 on 91 Hampshire also on played 6 have 82 then Surrey played 6 68 Middlesex played 6 44 and Leicester played 5 40 points Anthony uh, gather you had a frustrating a few days up at uh, up at Taunton uh, sat watching the uh, the rainfall, but um, encouraging signs from Josh Davy and Marchant Delanger. Yes, I mean the the bowling overall was a bit disappointing. Um, to you know to win the toss and put Surrey in and then only pick up one wicket in the first session was, was you know, not great. And the the two wickets that um, that fell thereafter owed a good deal to fortune with um, Ashley Bamler hooking a long hop from Lewis Gregory <laughs> down the throat of Eddie Byram at long leg to give uh, Lewis his 300th first class wicket and then Rory Burns um, playing on to Marchand de Langer. I think some credit should should go to Marchand de Langer because he, he was bowling he, he was bowling as well as I've seen him bowl for Somerset. Um, it, not, not high pace, he was in the low 80s uh, that we had the speed gun at uh, Taunton for, for this game, which was, you know, qu- quite interesting. Um, I was a bit worried with about Lewis, the way Lewis Gregory bowled. Uh, he himself admitted it, you know, he's not at his best at the moment. We needed him to be at his best in the absence of, of um, Craig Overton. We needed him really to lead the attack. Um, and he, what, he was disappointing. And we need them all to be absolutely on top form for the game against, against Gloucester. So, yeah, Josh Davy bowled really well. Um, particularly on that in that short session on the on this track of which day it was the third day wasn't it when we did we did actually get some play uh, in in the morning he was very very unlucky he was bowling fast leg breaks um, but um, no it, you know it it didn't it didn't honestly um, answer <laughs> many questions that have been posed by the games earlier in the season. Yeah, I guess Tom uh, Banton not getting the chance to have a go in the middle yeah. order. That was yeah. something I think we were all looking forward to. Um, and something we were looking forward to, Overton versus Overton, turning to Overton versus Noverton. When he was he was in the hokey-cokey, he was in the squad, then he was out the squad, and he was uh, left to sit at home and shake it all about. Disappointing yeah, yeah. Now that we didn't uh, get to, as Anthony said, a lot of unanswered questions from that game as to the... Uh, the selection policy and what we're going to do when Craig and Jack are out of well we presume Craig and Jack are going to get selected uh, they were both yeah. rested uh, Craig was it, it was a joint decision in the end wasn't it first he was rested by the ECB after we'd named him in the squad and then after he'd been rested by the ECB I get the feeling there was a bit of uh, a bit of the Pravda approach of oh no he's now been rested by uh, it's a joint decision taken by the Somerset management and the ECB yeah I, I was a bit annoyed at sort of the last minute seeming nature of it um, but in, in the end it was a good game for Craig to miss you know it, um, 
he gets a nice rest this week and wouldn't have bowled many overs anyway. But, um, you know, he can re- return fresh um, for the big one next week, possibly our biggest game of the season, at least at, the, at least of the first stage, um, away to Gloucestershire, which we um, really need to win. And yeah, Leach, um, I think that made, made some sense. I mean, it was a Somerset decision, wasn't it, that one? Considering that he's, you know, got a lot of cricket coming up, they obviously thought that it's a good chance for him to have a week off. And again, it's it worked quite well because uh, it was a game where we obviously didn't didn't need him. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, going back to Banton as well. Yeah, I was disappointed not to see him play in the middle order because I mean, I'm assuming now Davis will be back next week, so it might mean that Banton has to go out of the side again, which is a shame because you know middle order middle order is what suits him, I think. So it'll be a shame now because we might not see him again. Um, again this season maybe in the in four day cricket um, but yeah who, you know, we obviously don't know what's going to happen in September the situation might have changed completely but particularly with Conway coming in as well for a couple of games at the end of this stage so yeah still a few uh, selection um, questions <laughs> up in the air for, for Thursday then obviously Steve Davis will come back into the to the squad after he was um, he missed the Surrey game to have a minor operation uh, you're absolutely right. I don't see how Banton goes back into that side unless he's opening, which he's, he's obviously not going to. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, who uh, the side they name for Thursday's local derby up at Neville Road, for which I have my tickets here. I cannot wait. <laughs> Anthony, I shall I've see got mine there. too. Yeah, look forward. Look, look yeah, I've got mine as well. Oh, for Saturday. Well, uh, you get oh for Saturday. That's the day I'm not going. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm fitting in as many game uh, games playing as I can before I uh, have to retire in a few years' time. But uh, yeah, really looking forward to that. Um, it will rain, obviously. Now it's written it's written in the stars that as soon as the as soon as fans are allowed to be back in the grounds, then it will uh, it will absolutely hose it down. But uh, we we shall keep the faith. We shall keep the faith. So um, Jack Leach is obviously going to come back into the side, um, probably for roll off. Uh, Craig will come back in. Um, and possibly dislodge Jack Brooks out of the squad and probably Marchant out of the playing eleven. So we'll probably go with the same side that won down at the Aegeus Bowl, I would think. I would expect so, yeah. <laughs> um, it would be very hard. I mean, they, they were a winning side. The, the uh, changes, apart from, from um, Jack, Jack Leach, who was rested, um, but it, wouldn't, it wasn't a pitch that would have suited Jack. And interestingly, I asked Jason about, Jason Kerr about that. Um, and why they preferred um, um, uh, Rodolf van der Merv to Jack Brooks. And he said, well, it's to strengthen the batting, <laughs> you know, well, which doesn't actually say much of their, for their confidence in the, in the top order batting, does it? Well, no. <laughs> um, but I would, I would expect, yeah, we'll see, we'll see the same 11 as, as, as beaten. <clears throat> and it's going to be hard, I think, to, to get a, a positive outcome one way or the other. At Bristol, given the weather forecast, given the nature of the Bristol pitch under any circumstances, and I think it, you know, you 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 wouldn't blame Gloucester for preparing a pretty flat flat wicket. They're top of the group, you know. Draws from here on in would probably suit them suit them very well and see them see them through to Division One come come the autumn. Um, Hampshire's win over Middlesex opens up the group really quite significantly you know we got Gloucester away this week and then in a fortnight's time we got Hampshire at home in Taunton and on those two games Somerset's fate this season as to you know whether we get into division one and have a chance for the championship in September Somerset's fate really depends on how we do in 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 those two games win them both and we're through lose them both and we probably won't be in the in the in the top two, and you know somewhere somewhere in the middle. Win one, lose one, wouldn't be too bad. Win one, draw one, wouldn't be too bad. But two losses, we can't afford. No, absolutely. So, just to uh, refresh you with Somerset's remaining fixtures, then away to Gloucester on Thursday. Then we have a week off, which is when we should have been playing New Zealand, and then the third of June is the first home game back at Taunton after the restrictions are lifted. Uh, and fans can attend so that one starts on the uh, Thursday the 3rd of June that's uh, Hampshire at home then we have a a block of about three or four weeks of Vitality Blast games uh, before we resume on the 4th of July uh, home to Leicestershire and then our final group game is away at the Oval on 
July the 11th against Surrey, where we hopefully will get to see finally Overton versus Overton. So yeah, so I agree. I agree with you, Anthony. I think it's a it's a must not lose game on uh, <laughs> on Thursday. Yeah. I think if we do lose, and then Hampshire, uh, who have Hampshire got? So Hampshire have got Leicester. So you think they'll probably win that? They've got Leicester at home. So yeah, if we do lose that game, we can probably expect to be leapfrogged out of second place and into third and a place in division two come september which nobody wants did did either of you watch the closing stages of the um middlesex hampshire game yeah i did and when that third evening middlesex were bowled out for next to nothing and then made no serious attempt to stop hampshire knocking off the runs on saturday when we had a dreadful weather forecast for the sunday they needed to score at eight and over and Middlesex didn't put didn't put anybody out. They didn't. They made no effort at all, really, to stop Hampshire scoring those runs on the Saturday. Whereas if they'd held out, you know, that that evening, it could well have been that there wouldn't have been any play on the Sunday. I thought that was. I didn't think it was good, and I also thought it was worrying as to what may happen in the later stages of this this group stage. It's something I've been worried about right from the outset with this with this format. That sides who who are out of it, you know, who are not in contention for the top division, may just think, well, you know, there isn't much point. We'll, we'll just field um, whoever we we want to give the youngsters a chance, and um, you know, um, not perhaps try as hard as we might do. Do you think that was just a, was that hands off Hanscom again? Do you think he's just think... Really not interested? He's got he's in no sort of form with a bat. Do you think he's just not a great captain or not that savvy well he hasn't impressed me <laughs> hence the hands off Hanscom and Middlesex haven't impressed me uh, at, at all I mean you know they they lost two games against us that they, they should have won um, and the, they, they could have fought much harder in a couple of other games as well and no I'm not not impressed and, and if Leicester Adopt the same attitude. I'm not I'm not sure that they will actually. I think Leicester are a much better managed side and much better led side than than, than Middlesex. But you know, it, it is it it is a danger um, that you know sides that are out of it won't give of their best. Yeah, and and um, in in a normal season of two divisions, the the point at which there are dead games and teams that aren't interested comes quite late in the season. I think because I think most teams. For most of the season, are interested in either winning the championship, avoiding relegation, or um, getting promotion. But I just worry that this season we're gonna—we're only a couple of games away from quite a lot of teams being out of it. There's already three or four teams out of it, I think, or or near enough out of it. Um, you know, a couple of games time, I think there'll be quite a significant number. And of course, this for, the, the nature of this format—it's got some good points. One of its big bad points is that this the September. You know, as we know, in September, the divisions two and three will be completely just dead games because most teams, you know, they're playing possibly the seedings next year. We don't know the format yet, but um, it's not much of an incentive, is it? You know, coming, getting one higher seed in for next year, it's not a huge incentive. So, I think there'll be a lot of dead games in that period, and it's, you know, it's a reduction in the amount of meaningful championship cricket. So that, you know, for all the good points of the format. And that's quite a significant negative, I think. Yeah, I mean, you can look at it like these first group stages are, in effect, a knockout to find the six best teams who will go and play off for the for the county championship in uh, in September, and then you have to give those other twelve sides effectively something to do in, yeah. in September. So they just play each other, like you say, for a bit of prize money uh, for seedings. Have they have they ever released the the prize money as um, as it goes down the ladder, or is it? I think um, they have. It goes quite a long way down. I think. Is it, does it go down to number ten, something like that? But uh, but even so, you know, it's um. Well, uh, as I've said before, I think you know we need to give it this season, see how see how it works out, and then then learn, learn the lessons from it. The other thing that I, I find strange is this business of only carry you know carrying half of the points that you score against the other team in who end up in the same division as you. I don't know why sides just don't carry forward all of the points. That they have scored in this preliminary, you know, in the first stage, into the second stage. I'd have thought about this yeah. today as well because if the fixtures had worked out slightly differently, and we were playing Hampshire in our last game, and we had already qualified, it would be in our interests to 
lose against Hampshire, if Hampshire getting the points got them into the top two at the expense of Gloucester, let's say we'd lost twice to Gloucester and were top. <laughs> do you see what I mean? So I do. Yeah. yeah. So if what, what, we Any... was, what we did against Worcester, was it Worcester when we declared on uh, yeah. none for none? and. Uh... <laughs> Any yeah. format that involves the Worcester situation didn't involve carrying over mm. points, I don't think. Yeah. But but any format that involves the carrying over of some points will always be open for the potential of teams rigging the system slightly. Yeah, the classic example is the nineteen ninety nine World Cup. Steve Ward. I think West it was Indies. Australia yeah. chased exactly. targets intentionally slowly yeah, to help did. another team get through instead. I think it was they wanted West Indies to go through instead of New Zealand because they'd lost yeah, to New Zealand right. and they wanted to beat West Indies but do it as slowly as possible to improve West Indies net run rate so they went ahead of uh, New Zealand. And Australia would carry over the points against yeah. West Indies and but they wouldn't have against New yeah. Zealand. That, yeah. That's what this format is open to I think. Um, so it'd be interesting in a few games time. Yeah. <laughs> this is the kind of thing I find fascinating but I kind of hope it doesn't happen because it sort of ruins the integrity of it. But, I, haven't um, we'll see. Yeah, I haven't studied the fixtures or the tables in depth enough to work out where it could happen. But um, I mean, particularly yeah. if you look at group, uh, which is Essex's group, group one, where they've gone, Essex have gone from fifth to top in a game. And you've got, you know, first to fifth is spans, what, nine points there. Essex on 76, Durham 73, not 73, Worcester 70, and Warwickshire 67. So theoretically something like that could potentially arise in group one where everybody's uh, so tightly bunched together but uh, but we shall see dan have you been uh, you've been updating us on the somerset women this week and i gather we've got some uh, celebratory news for so yeah they and her, and her team well sadly their games were washed out yesterday um but so were the warwickshire matches which means that somerset won the west midlands group which is good um they're one of the six regional winners um, they won five out of their eight games, uh, lost one, and had two no results. Um, it, the, if the format, well, for some reason, it's only one point for a no result, but it's four points for a win. If the format was sensible, i.e. two points for a no result, four for a win, Somerset wouldn't have actually won it. It would have been Warwickshire. <laughs> um, but we'll just ignore that. Um, <laughs> Somerset are the West Midlands champions. Since um, when is Somerset in the West Midlands? <laughs> <laughs> Um, the West West South West Midlands. <laughs> yeah, it, it's to do with balancing out the groups. I think that's why we're nominally in the West Midlands um, for this. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the run scoring was dominated by Georgia Hennessy and Sophie Luff. Um, they scored 261 runs and 211 runs, respectively. Um, they're the opening pair. Um, and wicket wise, uh, Sh- uh, Lorraine Shapansky took 13 wickets at and. Um, I believe it was an average of 4.92 and an economy rate of about 2.7. So pretty unbelievable bowling there. Um, some very economical spells. Um, and I'm hoping, well, I'm assuming that she must be in the chance of um, playing for Western Storm this year as well. Hmm. She's not played for Western Storm before, but with the figures like that, she must be in the shout. Um, what does she and, know? What does she uh, know? I believe she's an off spinner. And uh, Storm are missing Claire Nicholas this year for most or all of the season and she's a, she's a spinner as well so um, she might um, be a replacement for her and that would make a lot of sense fantastic figures yes great stuff I'm just having a look at the um, don't think a lot of women's games clash with the 100 so that should be good for uh, Western Storm yeah they play before yeah so the women's regional T20 is before and after the 100 which uh, yeah so it's, it goes Hayo Flint it goes Hayo Flint well, the first half of the Hayo Flint, first half of T20, then it's all of the 100, and then it's the second half of the T20, then second half of the Hayo Flint. Um, but, so there's no no clash of Western Storm games at the yeah. 100. So, yeah. Oh, and that starts very soon. The Week on Saturdays. Week on Saturday, Storm yeah. So cricket subscribers will know what I'm trying to find out what an orange game is. And an orange game is the Rachel Hayo Flint trophy. Yeah, Western Storm against Thunder up at Bristol uh, on the 29th, uh, Saturday 29th of May. Uh, just a couple of weeks' time. Right, the uh, the more eager-eared of you will notice that uh, Steve can't be with us tonight. He's uh, unfortunately got work commitments, but he has contributed uh, with a few points on email, so I'm, I'm not going to try and uh, do an impression of Steve. So uh, we're just going to uh, read out uh, what he's popped on his email. So Marchant is either Marchant of Menace or, like me, are you a little underwhelmed at present? 
Uh, he showed glimpses of what he can do on Friday, but couldn't sustain it. Um, I think he's a bit like Jamie Overton. We did sign him as a as a light for light replacement for Jamie, in effect, and Jamie Overton's not having a great time of it. And I think that's mostly down to the types of pitches that we're bowling on uh, at this time of year. Um, the guys who have, have had success in uh, in, in uh, April and May are pitching up to the bat and try and nibble it away, and that's not what Marchant de Langer is. So um, maybe you know when we're playing on some rock hard decks in June and July, that's when he'll uh, he'll come to the fore. But uh, yeah, I think he just needs the wickets to to harden up a bit. I saw a stat floating around Twitter today about Craig and Jamie. Did you see it? No. It was Craig's got of all the bowlers who've taken a wicket this year in Championship cricket. Um, I might have got this wrong, but it's something along the lines of Craig has got the best bowling average with a 13, and Jamie's got the worst at about 150. <laughs> so, poor wow. old Jamie. We do we do hope it gets better for you, mate. Um, um, like I say we just wait for the for the wickets to get a bit harder. I think uh, for that. Um, do, do, do. Steve's next point. Assuming Steve Davis is fit for Thursday, do we recall the three left out last week? I think we've covered that. Can't see the surface at Bristol will suit De Langer. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, yeah, I think I agree. Josh Davy will be the key in Bristol yet again. Superb and so unlucky against Surrey. Yeah, he's the great underrated bowler, isn't he? Um, I remember in Matthew Hoggard's autobiography, uh, Michael Vaughan referred to him as the shop steward. Just had to sweep the floor, not do anything. Uh, uh, anything above his station or try and bowl too quick or bowl bounces and that's what uh, what Josh does for us I think he's just a great honest uh, yeah. honest bowler and just does the job that, that his captain asks of him so yeah absolutely um, and our Hampshire back in contention they still have to play us in Gloucester again so their destiny is in their own hands absolutely yeah I think so um, especially with them um, as we said having Leicester this week um, and us potentially don't want to tempt fate but if we do come a cropper up at Neville Road we could drop out of that top three so yeah absolutely I think Hampshire are uh, definitely back in contention for the group they're a funny lot Hampshire they're, I mean you know they're a bit Jekyll and Hyde um, they were dreadful against us in the first innings they were dreadful against against Surrey and yet they swept Leicestershire aside as if you know as if they didn't exist and you know look at the runs that the likes of Vince and and uh, Holland and Allsop and um, <coughs> Dawson have, have scored they're not 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 to be underrated you know and if we get Dr Jekyll rather than Mr Hyde at Taunton uh, you know and they win the toss um, yeah. the toss is so so important in at this this time of year and doesn't look as if the weather's going to change you know enormously between now and, and, a, and a fortnight's time that, that could be a real, it could be an absolutely crucial crucial game, and um, we'll be without Craig, I guess, and without Jack Leach as well because um, it clashes with the New Zealand tests, and I'd be very surprised if Craig Overton isn't, isn't at least in the squad. I'm not sure he's going to play, knowing the sort of anti-Somerset bias <laughs> that the selectors have historically dis displayed. I mean, it's down to Chris Silver who doesn't what he he thinks of of uh, Somerset, but. I'm, I'm pretty sure that neither Jack Leach nor Craig Evans is going to be available to us. And Craig is such a big factor in our attack. We really did miss him against Surrey um, on, on Friday. He, he, he does lead the attack. He sets the standard for the others as well. And he puts so much pressure on the batsman that, you know, a bit like in the old days when... They always used to say that Brian Statham took took the pretty large proportion of Freddie Truman's wickets for him because they were so glad to get up the other end away from Brian Statham. Yeah. It's a bit the same with, with Craig Overton. So you know we we will miss him against against Hampshire, and uh, and I doubt if Hampshire are going to miss any of their of their first team for that game. So they'll you know they'll be at full strength and we won't. So we need to win the toss and, and play really well. The only one who could. Maybe in with a shout is James Vince, but he's a he's long odds I think, to get him. I, think I, I he's can't resigned think of himself. Else. Yeah, I think he's resigned himself to county cricket. Yeah, maybe if you got a uh, carried on that early season form after you got that double hundred, he might have been in with a shout. But um, can't see. Uh, yeah, can't see James Vince getting called up. And Steve's last point: he's made a bold prediction for Division One lineup. Then so 
Somerset Hampshire from our group, Group 2, Lancashire and Yorkshire and Essex and one of Durham or not. So he's, Steve's betting on Gloucester falling away in spectacular fashion. Um, I can't see uh, anybody catching Lancashire or Yorkshire in their group. And yeah, I think Essex are finding a bit of form now. Oh, do we know if um, anybody's going down to inspect the pitch at the Cloud FM County Ground after Simon Harmer's nine wicket haul after <laughs> one of the wettest fortnights in history? Or You're the first person I've seen who's even mentioned it. People just don't notice when spin, spin takes because of challenge. They only notice it at Taunton. It's quite funny. It's mad, isn't it? I mean,. Yeah. They complained about the pitch, obviously, in the last game of the 2019 season. Is is Tom Abel able to just fire in a, a quick email to East Towers just to <laughs> complain? Uh, uh, They'll just delete it. Yeah, they were, well, they probably all our emails probably go into junk. Uh, well, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Uh, Steve will be back next week. Um, we're uh, missing our normal Tuesday slot because uh, some idiot's got a midweek cup game tomorrow and. Um, uh, unfortunately can't record tomorrow at Soslaw it'll be uh, it'll be rained off okie dokie right so that's uh, all we had from Steve for this evening we'll catch up with Steve next week uh, should we fire into some listeners questions we've got quite a few this morning so um, let's start with uh, one from uh, regular listener Mike Connor. it's not really a question but um, the fact that uh, spectators aren't allowed into the second 11 games at the minute um, bonkers I- yeah, I, I think the only reason is that it's to do with players being in COVID bubbles and not being able to have quite the level of um, bubble security or whatever you want to call it at club grounds and, and stewarding and shared toilet facilities and things like that. So, yeah, it, it is disappointing because I think a lot of members had this day um, circled on their calendar with a, with a second 11 fixture ready to go and watch. But... Uh, yeah, disappointed, but I guess they're going for the safety first um, attitude with that one. Yeah, um, and also if if a lot of members had gone today, you know, if a lot of members had it circled in their calendars, it may have, you know, as relatively small ground, Taunton Vale, it may have been difficult to socially distance. I guess that may have been a factor. And I noticed that Lancashire did allow spectators today into their um, second eleven game, um, but that was all ticketed. So um, what ground was that at? I think it was at Old Trafford. Oh, um, yeah, probably so that makes it very easy. Yeah, being at Old Trafford, I think Taunton yeah. Vale's not it's not really geared up for uh, yeah, no, sort it's... Of paid grounds uh, crowds, is it? It's just more mm-hmm. of a it's essentially sort of a, a club ground, isn't it? Um yeah. and Mike goes on to write, um uh, have a look at the Gloucester Seconds team against Glamorgan. Sorry, Mike, I didn't get time to do that today. But something <laughs> I've discussed with Steve are the number of first team players in seconds teams. Should there be some rules on this? It's an interesting point. Um, my gut feeling is no, because I think second eleven professional cricket plays a different role to second eleven amateur cricket, which is where you've got fifteen-year-old kids and and fifty-year-old men. Uh, so fifteen-year-olds at the start of their careers are fifty-year-olds at the end. I think second eleven uh, county cricket is to enable the first teams of both sides that are playing to. Um, to get players into form and get players game time, you know we see it week in week out where mm. players are parachuted in for an innings. Um, uh, who's who's the one? Well, it devalues the competition, though, doesn't it? Mm. You know, when you, when you get pe- you know you get people parachuted in, are actually nothing to do with the county at all. Sometimes, well, yeah, Just to... there is that. There's been a lot of um, players playing for two or three counties this year, which. Yeah. Again, I suppose if all the if all the the counties agree to it, then they obviously think that's what's uh, what's best for them and what's not necessarily what's best for the integrity, if you like, of of the but I mean, they're competition. practice games for for the county championship, aren't they? Yeah, essentially. Which is I do, I don't think integrity of the competition is really a factor for them. I think they just it's just I think counties use it use it as like how they want to. Um, you know, for trialists or to give first team players practice. I think today's example was a T20 for Gloucester um, against Glamorgan. Um, and Gloucester didn't have a game in the championship this week. And I guess they just wanted to give their first team players a, a run out in T20 cricket. I mean, it was rained off anyway after um, in, the fir- in the first innings, I think. So um, they didn't get much for practice anyway. But I think counties use it as they like. I remember um, Glenn Maxwell playing a playing second 11 T20 finals day for Surrey in about 
13, 14, which is it's absolutely classic Surrey to do that, to pick yeah. their star Aussie for that. But Somerset do it too. Somerset have played um, yeah. oh. T20s, second 11 T20s with a, a team of first teamers. So it, all the counties do it. And I yeah. think they just... A couple of years ago, Don Best was having to play in the seconds, you know, going from playing test matches for England into, into the seconds because it was mm. the only record <laughs> well, cricket he get he could get. So. Banger was playing in the seconds as well, wasn't he? Yeah. So I think it's Banger the innings with Will Smead a couple of couple of seasons ago when he when he was not in yeah. the first team. He played against Middlesex, who had uh, Josh DeCares, who's Mike Atherton's son, who Trez used to open the batting with. I think if there's ever a sign that you're feeling old, it's when you when you start playing against the, the kids of people that you played with. Yeah, so set the eleven games. I think are just a, they're basically a series of organised warm up games throughout the season, aren't they? There's no uh, yeah. Yeah. no airs or, or races about it. Nobody pretends it's anything different. Uh, one in from Andy Cleave. If Craig Overton is called up for England's Test series versus New Zealand, are you concerned that our bowling attack without both him and Leach lacks the potency, strength, in depth? That is a big fat yes, Andy. Yes, we, we need Gregory to find form. I think that's the big factor. If Gregory can find his 2019 form, then um, I'm less worried. But you know, so far this season, he's, he's had good spells, but he's just been a bit inconsistent, hasn't he? He's didn't yeah. couldn't find his line in that last game. You know, he's, yeah, he's just he was all over the place. Over yeah, the place. just not found it since he's come back from Pakistan, has he? No, he's he bowled one really good spell down at, down at Southampton. Um, which didn't actually produce any wickets, but he was he was right on the money. He, he bowled nine overs, eight maidens, none for two. I think it was something like that, which is very unlike Lewis Gregory, who you know tends to be expensive because he pitches the ball up. But he, I don't know. I, I just wonder whether it's something to do with you know he had COVID, whether he's still suffering the after effects from that. It's, um, but you know it. He was quite, um, considering he'd taken his 300th first-class wicket, he was quite downbeat when I interviewed him after at the end of play on Friday. Quite downbeat. Um, so hope, hopefully he'll get his mojo back because he's such a good cricketer and he's such an important factor Absolutely. in Somerset's, well, not just their bowling attack, but the whole sort of Somerset setup. You know, he's, he's, one, he's one of the... The uh, really gun gun players who can lift the whole whole team either with bat or ball. We need him at his best. Yeah, and let's hope the cider army cheering him on on Thursday will uh, yeah. uh, will spur Lewis back to his best. Um, I suppose the good thing is the way that the um, test matches are structured for the end of this group phase is we would uh, probably only lose Craig for one game because we haven't got a game next week when the squad you think would be assembled and then test match itself starts on the 2nd of June when we play Hampshire so that should be the only game that he misses the final two group county championship games are when we're playing uh, the whiteboard games uh, against Pakistan and Sri Lanka so um, I don't think Craig's really in contention for the whiteboard stuff so uh, hopefully it'll just be the one game that we've missed plus uh, plus the non-event that was uh, that was Surrey last week well, what more have we got on Twitter then? Uh, Daniel Chapman about Delanger. I think we've covered that. John Hayes, all-time Somerset eleven, and probably not got time for that one tonight. John, we'll uh, we'll have to come back to that one another day. Lord Lupin, I don't like cricket, I love it. Long-term future for Somerset. Um, did you see the article uh, that Richard Osman? I think he was speaking to Hugh Turberville in um, the Cricketer about this idea that they would try and extend the 100 possibly into playing four-day cricket. Now, I don't I don't know anyone who's given that any sort of serious uh, consideration, but yeah. I can't really see it happening. To be Not honest. in the short term. It's the kind of thing that, it, in the long term, if the 100 works well, slash if county cricket declines, it may be that, you know, we... We, you know, in, in the worst case scenario, we lose counties and eight teams play four day cricket. It might not be the 800 teams, but there's definitely a chance in the future that we will we'll reduce the number of counties or completely change the system and it will be regional or something that's only eight regions playing four day cricket. I mean, <laughs> that's worst case scenario, but that's pro possibly more what he was getting at. I don't know, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, I think it depends on how much loyalty these franchises. Um, turn out to command in in the hundred, you know. If if, if people really do 
um, rally to the flag of Welsh fire or you know whoever they they may be, and they they develop a really strong identity and a strong following, then you know that that could be the model for for the future, and they'll spread their wings you know from a hundred to to other types of cricket, including county championship. Um, I think it'd be more likely to happen if we had a Somerset and Gloucestershire, you know, a West Country franchise. I just cannot see cricket followers in Somerset and Gloucestershire warming to Welsh fire <laughs> in, in, in any sense. But um, who knows? My father many, many years ago predicted that um, fo uh, cricket would end up like football and the, you know, the, it would be based on cities rather than on, on counties. And I guess that's that's you know still a real possibility, but I agree with with Dan. Not not I don't think it'll be. It's in the short term. We're talking fifteen, twenty years time, something like that. I think for me it boils down to what I think is that the fundamental problem with the hundred, in that in, if you want to get people to go and watch cricket, narrowing it down to eight cities instead of expanding this new competition or something new to the eighteen first class counties maybe even include some national counties so you can find somewhere to go that is nearer to you i mean that like you said anthony the you know cricket fans in devon cornwall somerset dorset are not going to rally to the flag of welsh fire they're just going to feel completely detached from this uh, this competition and hopefully go and watch somerset in the in the royal london cup uh, which i'm very much looking forward to um but yeah it just seems to me then they're, they're narrowing the reach to try and expand the reach and it it, it that's two and two makes five for me. I don't. It's, I don't get that. It's about it's about TV partly, isn't it? I mean, they, they. I think I think they acknowledge that it'd be harder to access cricket for a lot of people, but they hope that the TV will make up for it. And the ten the ten free to air games and also all the women's games on YouTube. Um, but I. <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Only I, there I was can't a short see... format of the game that the counties played that they could put on television. God. Yeah, well, I know. <laughs> Could they not just you know one of the options is just if if the hundred ball thing is so massive, mm. just change the blast to a hundred ball format? I yeah. don't think I think I think I'd take that if it was if it was if it was if that was the other option I'd be yeah. fine if if that's the only way of keeping the counties playing the primary short form cricket then yeah change the blast to hundred balls. They don't, they don't. It's not like the the IPL or the Big Bash. They don't show every blast game on TV. So there are blast games that can be shown on on the BBC without taking the rights off of Sky. Sky can still have their batch of blast games and you can give some to the BBC as well. Okay. I, th I think the, the, the other point you've got to bear in mind is that if you were starting to design a structure for uh, representative cricket in England and Wales now, you wouldn't end up with anything like the county championship that we have got. You would probably have regional, regionally based teams based broadly on areas of population and areas of regional identity i mean the can you know the 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 county the the division between first class counties and second class counties is lost in the lost in the mist mists of time um and you could argue you know people in devon and cornwall are quite seriously disenfranchised at the moment because they haven't got a you know first class county to support so somerset is nearest Whereas you know, logically, if you were starting now, you would probably have a southwest regional team of the four south southwestern counties, and then you would have a you know Gloucestershire, Wiltshire, um, um, Worcestershire, um, Hampshire, maybe you know, and and you go on from that. So I, d I don't think that there's anything absolutely sacrosanct or brilliant, you know, or irreplaceable about the county system that we've got at the moment. It's an accident of history. Um, and, you know, it, it may very well not last much longer because, because of that. And the influence of television, which Dan mentioned, I think, you know, could be, could be very, very important because if these, if these franchises do develop a big following on television and people really do start identifying with with their nearest um, regional franchise then you know that could be a real force for loyalty and from loyalty flows money hmm. and it's money and the you know <laughs> in the final analysis that that drives everything yeah i think it's a it's a pandora's box that is going to be very difficult to shut if it if it does become a success which is um i think i've said before that whether it succeeds or whether it fails the hundred is going to be bad for county cricket if it succeeds it will take more out of the county game and if it fails the ecb are going to be left with a massive 
financial black hole, which would mean but, but less money I'm, going to the counties. I'm less worried about county cricket. I mean, you know, I support some. I'm worried about first class cricket. You know, I'm proper cricket, red ball, you know, three, three, four, five, five, five day cricket. Um, this, this, what sort of structure that type of cricket is based upon, I am less concerned about. Um, maybe because I come from Devon. You know, <laughs> I always thought, you know, Devon should be a first class county. It's, you know, it's the second biggest, was the second biggest county in the in the in the country and, and deserves to be a first class county. Especially the ambition to apply though, because they were winning the minor counties um under Peter Roebuck almost for fun during the nineties yeah. and they had a, an incredible side and um, I think yeah. they won the MCCA knockout a few times as well. But just they were very explicit about it. They were happy um feeding players into Somerset, uh, feeding players into into first class cricket like uh, Chris Reed I think was a, a big part of that team. But yeah, I think was it Durham's the last one in? Was it ninety three? Durham got first class status. Ninety two, yeah. Yeah. So Devon have been completely open and honest. They've got no interest at all in becoming a first class county. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we're all we all love the system that we've got, but that doesn't mean to say that a, a better system could not be devised. Well, absolutely. I just don't think it's pretty is. random, frankly. Yeah, absolutely. Why, why is it Glamorgan and not Wales, for example? That's a very good question. It's such a historic, <laughs> isn't it? Well, I don't think Glamorgan's even a county now. I think you've got West yeah. Glamorgan and. Yeah, yeah, it's split. It's yeah. a county. Yeah, yeah. Right. I've but... flicked over to Facebook for another raft of questions. Abby Slade, star of Tailenders. Uh, the chances of Jack and especially Craig now playing in the test since the IPL players can't make it. I think it's 100% that Jack will be playing, 100% that Craig will be in the squad, but um, maybe not selected. Um, I think, well, I think on Jack, he, I don't know if he's certain to play because they might, they might decide that conditions don't suit spin, so they might just not pick a spinner at all. My only, I, I think if we need a spinner, Jack will play. But I've, you know, I've just got a slight, tiny worry that they might pick Parkinson or something. Which Parkinson's a good player, but it would frustrate me so much if they. They might just go with Joe Root then. Well, yeah, I, I, that'd be fine. I, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't complain. It would just be if they picked an out-and-out spin instead of Jack. I don't think they will, but particularly with the Ashes on the horizon, I think they need to stick with Jack and they need to back him as our number one spinner. He is, our, he is England's best spinner. I hope they don't faff around and trying to pick a leg spinner or trying to pick an all-rounder. You know who isn't as good a spinner, and he's just got to pick the best spinner. It'll and, be a big yeah. call to pick uh, your rookie leg spinner first test match of a two-match series as well. Maybe mm -hmm. fourth or fifth test when you're two or three up, you might chuck him in. But I don't think. Uh, I think yeah, first I don't test, think they go with what they know. Yeah, I think they might go without. I think they might go without Jack altogether. You know, go go without a specialist spinner and just rely on Joe Root. And that increases the chance of Craig playing, perhaps. Yeah, and um, if Lawrence is in the side, he can bowl leg breaks as well. So you know, mm. you've got two, and and you know he's not a bad bowler, and Joe Root isn't a bad off spinner either. Yeah. And Craig, whether Craig will be in, I don't know. He always Michael Michael Atherton always seems to put him in as a sort of afterthought, you know, behind Ollie Robinson and and Mark Wood's been bowling really well for uh, for Durham and uh, Ollie Stone. Is fit again for for Warwickshire and mm. Craig Overton, you know. Yeah, I that's the six, isn't it? I think because we've, there's no Wokes, no Curran, no Archer, so it's Anderson, Broad, Wood, Overton, Robinson, Stone. So it's that's six. It's probably four, maybe five out of them. Yeah, um, and right. there may be some resting rotation. It might be that Anderson and Broad don't play both tests, considering the amount of cricket they've got coming up, and Wood maybe won't play both tests. So. Yeah, you never know. Craig might play at least one. I really hope he does. They've got they've got pretty much a three three week break after the second test before they would go back to Championship cricket. So, and even if they don't go back to Championship cricket, they've got well, it looks six seven weeks before the test against India starts. So, I presume they would probably play their strongest team. I can't see them doing this thing of um, just playing one of Broad or Anderson because they've got you know, it's, got it's just whether they plan ahead yeah it's just planning ahead you know getting the 
uh, don't want to put too much, too many overs in their bodies, you know, that sort of thing, considering there's so much cricket. But yeah, I mean, Ants and the Board only play tests. They don't play ODIs and T20s, so they maybe maybe will just play both both matches. Cool. Next question then. We haven't mentioned Ben Green much on the podcast this year. Uh, he did okay last year in showing form in the second. Seemed odd that Byron was promoted ahead of Green given form. Um, I think they possibly think that Byron has got a higher ceiling than Ben Green. Um, I think they think Byron can be a proper opener, whereas Green maybe just a sort of a, a steadyish opener. I don't know what your your thoughts are on that. He's a bit of a makeshift opener, isn't he? Ben Green. I mean, he, he you know he, he got some runs last last season, but he never. He, in all honesty, he never really looked looked the part. But then, in all honesty, Eddie Byron doesn't hasn't very often <laughs> looked the part either. Nor has Tom Banton. Um, the opening, you know, opening batting is is a problem that remains to be solved. But um, yeah, I think Ben Green is a, is a he's, you know he's a very good all round cricketer. Um, and I would have thought he, you know, he ought to do well in white ball cricket. He's, you know, he's as an all rounder, you know, big hitting all rounder. Yeah, he picked up. Was he, did he get four for against Glamorgan? He got four, four, four for last yeah. year. So yeah. So problem is, I think he's still a bit away. He's still a bit down the pecking order for our T Twenty side. He, he'll probably play fifty over there this year. So that's a pretty good chance for him. Yeah. Well, that gives but, him a good chance to show what he can do, doesn't it? Yeah, I do worry slightly. He's out of contract in this season, and he's been at Somerset for quite a few years. He's not really broken into the team in any big way. He sort of had sporadic games here and there. So you just wonder: Are we going to offer him a new contract? And if if so, will he even accept? Will he decide to move somewhere else, or is he going to get more game time? Um, it, yeah, it's, it's hard to tell at the moment, and it might depend on how he how much of a chance he gets in the T20s and fifty over this year. Yeah, I mean, you think he'd be a lock for the for the fifty over, um, uh, the fifty over competition. I'm just finding had a question about the fifty over. Yeah, uh, yeah. Stuart Hoskins, looking ahead to the One Day Cup, who do you think should captain the side with Abel and Gregory off playing in a tournament that must not be named? Um, I mean, Ben Green's obviously been captain in the seconds, um, so he'd be the um, the logical candidate, I suppose. Who would he might want to do it? Um, I th- I think it'd be Bartlett. I think I think we'll give it to Bartlett. I think he's 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 captain for the seconds, and he's captained. He captained an inter squad match before the start of the twenty twenty season. Um, him and Abel were the two captains, so that sort of indicates that Bartlett might be quite close to the captaincy. Yeah. Yeah. I think he'd do it well, actually. Yeah. And he's sort of he's. I think the thing is Hildreth. Sorry, gone. No, I was just saying. I think Bartlett would do it well because he's a yeah. thought. You know, he, he he thinks everything through, and and um, he's a good sort of strategist. Mm. He'll, whether Hildy wanted, I mean, if Hildy wants to do it, then he he ought to be given first refusal as the senior player. But uh, yeah, it very well be that he's quite happy. You know, just mm-hmm. I th- I think we're more likely to give it to a youngster to give them that opportunity. Um, considering that's what this tournament's sort of meant to be now—a development competition—I think I think we'll go to a younger player. Yeah, I think he would be an absolutely perfect lieutenant for any uh, uh, for any captain to have a have a quick word with and get some advice. So, uh, um, yeah, George Bartlett, I think we uh, we settled on there. Um, yep. I'm jumping around these questions, so I can't remember which ones I've done or not. Uh, Harry Hayden, overall we've done well this year without quite the pizzazz of last year. Reasons: top order batting, over reliance on Craig. Lewis and Jack Leach a little below par thoughts I think all of those really um, pretty good summary yeah <laughs> no real uh, no real solutions I think I think when you have a player like Tom Lamanby come in and score the runs that he did I think it brings a new energy to the side um, when you have a new player doing well the, the exuberance of youth uh, radiates across the whole dressing room but uh not really had that this year, and not really had the uh, any opening partnerships of any any substance. So um, I suppose being eleven for two, fifteen for two every week just sucks a little bit out of the dressing room. So one or one or two innings away, one hundred and fifty opening partnership between Eddie Byron and Tom Lamanby on Thursday morning would uh, would be absolutely fantastic. So and the last one from Paul H White about the youngsters coming through: Will Smead, Jamie Rue, etc. The future stars. Difficult to see them getting an opportunity in the Red Bull uh, in the County Championship, but I suppose the Royal London will be the ideal 
stage for these guys to uh, to show what they can do this season. And and Smead might get a chance in T twenty as well. I mean, you have that. He had that 80, didn't he, last year? So he'll be in the reckoning, I think. He'll be relatively close to a spot. Probably won't start the season. but I'd like to see him in the 50 over. I'm not sure about playing him in the T20. I think it could spoil him. I, I see him as a future middle-order batsman in the county championship side. And mm. you, know, you can see, see what happens to some of these young, young cricketers. They play too much white ball cricket. It uh, sort of gets into their systems. And, mm. you know, they playing across the line and you know looking to do this and do, and do that instead of just you know playing down the line I think you need to you do what Tom Abel has done which is you know hone your your four day technique and then graft on some T20 shots onto that yeah. you start yeah, off as, you know as primarily a T20 player it's very very difficult to get it out of get it out of the system as Joss you know the likes of Joss Butler and, and Tom Banton and I'm, um, you know, Tom Lamb and me, arguably as well now, are finding out. Yeah. So I, I, I hope they. Re- I think Will Speed is a real talent and and needs needs really to be nurtured and, and brought on. But I think he should be brought on in in red ball cricket much more so than white ball. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you said three or four years ago that Tom Abel would have ramped his way to a. 50 ball 100 in a t20 yeah. game you'd have been uh you'd have been laughed out of the pub but uh yeah he did and it yeah. was a, a truly extraordinary innings that was one of my favorite innings ever definitely that yeah. 100 against Middlesex. remarkable it was uh truly i like i like the i like the inside out cover drive that he hit so over the for six over extra cover i think that's a fantastic shot but yeah it's a shot that you have to have a proper cricket technique to play though and you look at all the best absolutely right absolutely right yeah yeah so. Yeah, and that season, Tom Abel had a higher strike rate in the blast than Banton did. You wouldn't think it, but yeah. it just shows that Abel just quietly scores very, very fast without doing, you know, agricultural shots. Yeah, I think I remember putting a tweet out saying, if England are going to take a Somerset player to bat in the middle order, it needs to be Tom Abel and not Tom Banton because he's an opener. And if you're not going to play Banton as an opener um, in your T20 team, it's not really a lot of point in picking him. Pick Tom Abel. Right, I think that's us done for questions. Um, apologies if I've uh, if I've missed any, but you've always got a chance to pop them in next week. Uh, you can send them to our Twitter page, which is at Somerset Podcast. Uh, if you want to drop us an email, we are the Somerset Podcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook as well. Just search Always Look on the Bright Cider Life. But unless we have any other business from Anthony. No, looking forward to the game against the Gloucesters. Absolutely. And anything from a game of cricket. Absolutely. Really, really. Yeah, and I look forward to. Uh, am I allowed to come and say hello, Anthony? We are we or have I got to stay? We are you in the media I don't bubble? Know and... I honestly don't know what the score is. I'll look out for you though, Ian. It's, yeah. um... Well, I'm going to be in. I'm going to be in the mound stand, row N, seat ninety-seven. And uh, you've got to wear a face mask unless you're eating or drinking. So I plan to drink cider all day, so I don't have to wear my mask. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll give you a wave in the commentary box, Anthony and uh, Dan. I'm sorry that we're going to miss you on uh, on Saturday, but uh, I'll look out for yeah. you on the live stream. Uh, did you have anything before we uh, we call it a night? No, I think that's it. Just can't wait for um, to be back at a cricket ground. It'll be my first cricket game since the 1st of September 2019. So um, I am very much looking forward to it. It's been a long time coming. Um, I think my, yeah, my last one was uh, obviously the the Essex game, uh, um, twenty nineteen. So I'm hoping that my games aren't bookended by uh, top of the table rain affected clashes, which Somerset come on the uh, come out the wrong end of. But uh, anyway, that'll do for tonight, guys. Uh, for Anthony and Dan, I'm Ian Shepherd. Thanks for listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, and we will catch you next week. <laughs>